Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Hello, I'm Karen Hording, Executive Director and CEO of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm delighted to be joined today by Rachel Hutter, Senior Vice President for International Facilities Operations, Services, and Worldwide Safety, Health, and Engineering at Disney. Rachel holds a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from Michigan State University with a minor in theater and has been with the Walt Disney Company for 22 years. Her Disney adventures have allowed her to experience many different roles and responsibilities and lead teams in Paris, Hong Kong, Shanghai, Tokyo, Anaheim, and Orlando. Over time, she lived, she learned, and now she leads engineering at the $20 billion Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products segment. We are thrilled to have Rachel joining us at We19 in November as our Friday morning keynote speaker. Thank you for joining us today, Rachel. Karen, it is an absolute honor. You curate unparalleled content for the SWE conference. I know last year, Marilyn Houston, who's chair and CEO and president of Lockheed Martin, did this particular keynote, and she was Fortune's number one most powerful woman in the world. So um, I am not on the most powerful woman of the world list, but if Fortune Magazine, (laughs) (laughs) well, if Fortune Magazine chose to have a most fulfilled women of the year list, I think I'd have a crack at that one. Um, in, in Cindy Kent's sweet podcast, she used a phrase I hadn't heard before that said, you have to see it to be it. And I love that. And this year, I'm hoping to share some of my journey about getting to your dream job and beyond. Well, we are super excited to have you. I, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Um, so I wanted to just jump right in and have you tell us a little bit about your background and how did engineering come into your life? You know, I was really fortunate because we had a family friend who was an engineer for NASA and I absolutely idolized him. So from an early age, I knew I wanted to be an engineer. Uh, but frankly, back in that era, Engineering wasn't known the way it is today. I know SWE has been a trailblazer in in bringing out the prestige of engineering. But uh, when I was in high school, our guidance counselor had us fill out aptitude tests. And this was in a big classroom setting, not one-on-one. And when we got the results back, he walked by my desk and he picked up my paper and he waved it around and very sarcastically said, hey, everyone, Rachel's going to drive a train for a living. And he honestly, even as a guidance counselor, had no idea what engineering was. And, you know, now today engineering is revered and and ubiquitous. In fact, it's funny. My daughter was born in 2004 and she got really into the Disney fairies movies. And it was really fun to see how at Disney we created a whole backstory around Tinkerbell And the fact that her name was because she's a tinker fairy, which means she's the engineering fairy. So 
um, kids today are very fortunate that they get to see engineering in a whole different light than when I was growing up. Yes. And despite that guidance counselor, here you are. <laughs> exactly. So maybe walk us through a little bit of some of the things from your academic background and maybe early in your professional career um, that kind of led to this career path. For me, it was a little bit flipped. I had really, really clear vision that I wanted to be an engineer at Disney from a very, very early age. So I not only got my degree in electrical engineering at Michigan State, but I also got a minor in theater because I really felt like having that combination of engineering and the arts would allow me to get my my foot in the door at Disney. Um, and unfortunately, at the time, Disney didn't hire people right out of college. So I worked at several other companies prior to getting to Disney. But when I finally got here, my mom gave me an entire box of school papers from kindergarten on where you wrote, one day when I grow up, I want to be. And for me, it was always an engineer at Disney. So again, back to the see it to be it, but I think you have to believe in yourself and what your dream is. 1000%. And I plan to touch on that in my keynote of how to believe in yourself, even when maybe not everyone else is giving you the assurances that you can achieve your dream. Well, and I, I have to imagine that when you were at Michigan State, there weren't too many other engineering majors who had a theater minor. <laughs> no, there weren't. But it's it's funny. I just met with a student yesterday who was debating whether he should get a minor in music, getting a degree in engineering. And it was wonderful using that other side of my brain, especially in that tense period where you're interviewing for jobs and there's so much competition and stress in the engineering building. Having that creative outlet really, I think, helped energize me for getting through that next phase. Right. And even as an engineer, I mean, you do need to present a lot. You need to be able to sell ideas. And so I would think theater helped build that confidence for you to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I would say one step further, any acting classes that I took, there was this big focus on, on what you express with your nonverbals. And it really focused me on being more attentive to other people's nonverbals. So I think as a leader, when you're pitching an idea, being able to read the room and get a feel for who might need a little bit extra information or has a concern that maybe they don't feel comfortable voicing that you really need to encourage them to, to speak out with. Uh, my, my theater background really helped me in that arena. Terrific. Um, so Rachel, I think you and I first met around 2006. And I have to say, since that time, I've really watched in awe and amazement as your career at Disney has progressed and, and the different opportunities that you've taken, which I'm sure some of them were a little bit scary. Um, so maybe can you kind of talk about that career progression and as those opportunities presented themselves, how did that really help with your ability to lead? I've been super fortunate that Disney is very open to allowing people a lot of diverse experience. In my 22 years at Disney, I've been in 10 different roles. And um, all of these opportunities have really led me up to the role I'm in now, which there is no better job in the world uh, than what I get to do now. And, and I'm lucky because, frankly, my experiences with other companies before I got to Disney wasn't as good. And in fact, at one point, they were so bad, I really felt, well, maybe engineering isn't for me. 
And Karen, I, I remember when SWE rolled out the retention study and it was really depressing to find that over 50% of women with engineering degrees aren't practicing engineering within five years of graduation on top of the over 46% that are accepted into an engineering program, but don't end up graduating with an engineering degree. And I, I was reminded of that talking with other women at Disney. We were, we were just talking about how much we loved our jobs and thinking back to other engineering jobs we had where we didn't feel that connection and that passion. And uh, we actually put together a program at Disney to give engineering students exposure to just the breadth and diversity of the things you can do with an engineering degree. And uh, we do this for college program students at Disney. It's called Disney's Ultimate Engineering Exploration. And at the end of the program, we ask people uh, basic questions about on a scale of one to 10, uh, what's your intent to pursue a degree in engineering and what's your intent to pursue a career and what's your level of enthusiasm for engineering. And the whole goal of it is to get everyone up to that 10 level. So uh, we're, we're hoping that'll give people an idea of how fascinating their careers can be. And so let me probe a little 10 different roles in the you know 20 plus years you've been there. Were those all roles that someone uh, within leadership came to you about? Or were there some where you said, you know, I think that's something I really want to try. How do I do that? I would say um, probably half and half. And the ones that I wanted to try came about in a really great way for me. I I'm a lifelong learner and we're, we're so broad at Disney. We're honestly a whole city. Uh, we're twice the size of Manhattan and we have everything from an electrical power plant to all of our rides and attractions to hotels, golf courses, you name it. And so I frequently meet people that do absolutely fascinating things at Disney. And when I do, I invite them out to lunch and just say, wow, your job sounds really, really interesting. Tell me what you love about it. Tell me what you hate about it. Tell me how you got into it. And I would say half of my jobs came from a couple of years down the road, one of those people calling me and saying, I'm moving on to a, a different role at Disney. And I remember you were really interested in what I do. Would you be interested in pursuing being my backfill? So I, that's one thing I would encourage anyone. Whenever you meet someone and think, wow, their job sounds interesting, set up some time and learn a little more. It's amazing what that can lead to. I mean, we talk so much about the importance of the network and networking, and I think people often think of that as external networking, which is also important. But if you're at an organization like Disney, where there are so many different opportunities, you really want to develop that internal network as well. Yes. And you never know when folks in that internal network are going to be the absolute support network you need at different points in your career. I I have a very, very broad group of leaders that I make a point of staying in touch with because they always energize me and focus me and just broaden my thinking on, often without even knowing it, on problems I'm trying to solve. So is there anything that's inspired you recently? I have a couple stories to share on that. So I've been in my role at Disney for about a year and a half. And when I first moved into this role, we were in the process of building a new theater at Disneyland Paris. And it was one of those projects where everything that could go wrong was going wrong, plus more things. And 
you know, with any new promotion you get, there's always some scope that's really in your power curve and, and you can just step in and do it. And then there's some scope that's kind of been in the periphery of your deep learning that you're just not an expert in. So of course, the thing that most needed a deep expert was not my area of deep expertise. Naturally. And <laughs> so I reached out to Doreen Mitchell, who's vice president of the group we call Facilities Asset Management, who does all of the construction and project management for Walt Disney World, and just said, Doreen, I'm over my head. I need your help. And this isn't her scope. This isn't her property. And she said, Rachel, my passport isn't up to date, but if you need me out there next week, I will drive down to Miami and get a new passport. And first of all, it was tremendously empowering knowing that someone of her caliber of talent had my back like that. Um, but second of all, of course, she was invaluable and we flew out together and uh, she gave me insights. And uh, I just saw the show two weeks ago. And of course, Lion King is just wonderful music and an incredible story. Um, but frankly, I, I've seen it at our theme parks around the world. I've seen it on Broadway. I really thought, ah, it, I've seen all you can see of Lion King. And I tell you, this show was absolutely amazing. And to see people from all over the world just standing up and cheering and, and knowing that all that hard work to get that theater built was worth it was such a happy ending to that story. <laughs> But I think that you've just shared a huge important lesson when you move into a leadership role. I mean, we often think that we need to know everything, right? And mm -hmm. you were willing to say, this is something where I need to ask for help and I'm going to reach out to the best person possible to get that help. And there's no shame to that. Um, no, it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely. And I'll say even a step further, ever since the project, Doreen has been tutoring me now in facilities asset management so that the next project that needs extra help, I can be that expert and can step in and help. So, uh, you know, not only will people help you at the moment you're hanging off a cliff, but people are amazingly generous with their hard-earned time and experience. And, and all we have to do is ask. Yeah. And, and when you're a subject matter expert, I think you love to be asked. You know, that's the interesting part as a leader. I think when I first became a leader, I felt the way I add value to the team is by sharing my knowledge. And the, the longer I've been a leader, the more I realize that I add value by encouraging other people to share their knowledge with me. Exactly. I think that's like the number one lesson in leadership, being able to bring out the best in your team and have them share that expertise. So along those lines, if you don't mind, I'd love to share another story because I, I know this one will, will touch your heart. We have something that we do at Disney that I honestly think started back in Walt's day. It's called Canoe Races of the World. And so in the summer before uh, the Magic Kingdom parks open, we have canoes out on the rivers of America and every different department at Disney participates in this event. And to be honest, the recreation lifeguards almost always win it, but we engineers valiantly paddle our hearts out every year. And uh, this year, one of our cast members in engineering, uh, who's paraplegic, ma made a comment at lunch, just, boy, I really wish uh, I could participate in that. It would be really fun to do. And uh, an engineer who I had actually hired as an intern heard that, and she felt 
we are a team of engineers. If Michael wants to participate, there's no reason we can't design a seat that is safe and accessible and allows him to participate. So she came to us with the idea and we gave her a little bit of money and she and a couple other engineers on our team manufactured a seat. And uh, lo and behold, not only was Michael able to participate, but his team actually won their division in like the perfect Disney ending to this story. Yes, that is the perfect Disney ending. <laughs> but back to everybody can contribute, but sometimes you need to think out of outside the box to figure out how to get that contribution. Absolutely. I think the best part of engineering is when people use their skills to allow everyone to contribute the, the most they can in the way they most want to contribute. And then it may not look the same for everybody. Yes. 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 That, that is, um, that I'm going to have to share that story because that is just the definition of inclusion. And, and I really do feel that Rachel, you know, had a particular compassion and empathy that women bring into the workplace that, that was a contributing factor. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, we are so excited that you're going to be doing one of our keynotes at We19 in Anaheim this fall. Can you give our our listeners a, a quick preview of what you're going to cover in that presentation. Yes, but I'm only going to give a peek because I want everyone to come to the conference yes. and experience the entire thing. As do uh, we. <laughs> Just a little peek behind the curtain. So uh, I'm, I'm sure folks that are Disney fans have probably heard that uh, we are opening Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is our largest and most immersive land that we've ever opened and for the first time ever simultaneously opening at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. So I thought I would use that as my springboard and my keynote will really be woven around the inspiration that I've drawn from the women of Star Wars and, and particularly Ray, who's been the heroine of the latest Star Wars movies and how I can relate to her journey and the way that her character has overcome obstacles. And, and frankly, I plan to talk a lot about failure because failure is a key part of every journey. And I think we're often afraid to acknowledge that and embrace it. And I think it would be the absolute worst Star Wars movie ever if there were no failure. If the First Order called up the resistance and said, you know what, our bad, we have been bad people and we're going to stop and just let your life be easy. You know, the, the joy of those movies is seeing how people work through the obstacles and work through the failure. And as I reflect on my life, the best parts of my life are the times I've worked through obstacles and failures. And, and I want to share that. Yeah, It's when we learn what we're made of, right? When we have those challenges and things don't go as planned and we've got to engineer our life around those things. Perfectly said. Yeah. Well, I, I love Star Wars. Um, I've been going to the Star Wars movies since I was a, a, a child with my father. It was one of our big bonding things that we did. So I am really looking forward to this. And I know our listeners are as well. Excellent. Good. And we'll be right next door in Anaheim. And so before we close out, Rachel, are there just some other thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I'd like to share how much I've personally benefited from past SWE national conferences. As I've said before, the caliber of speakers is just unbelievable. And the breadth of industry representation is immense. So 
anyone who has never been to a conference, I guarantee you'll be inspired, motivated, and just really get reconnected to engineering and the future of our profession. And then just a couple tactical tips. I revel in my nerdiness here and I study the program guide a week before and I pick my number one choice, my number two, and my number three for every time slot because some some of the content ends up being extremely popular and the rooms get filled up. Um, and I've, I've been surprised. There have been a couple times where there was a particular issue I was wrestling with at work. And then lo and behold, exactly what I needed to learn was being presented at conference. And it was just ideal nugget of information at exactly the right time. So I, I think it, the more planful you are, the more likely that is to happen. And I'll also share that I've met some of the most inspiring and impressive leaders in the world at SWE. And my first conference was in 2005. And uh, Mary Petrucian had won the Upward Mobility Award, and I heard her speak. And, and that was my see-it-to-be-it uh, moment. I, I thought, wow, that is exactly the kind of leader that I want to be one day. And you know, a couple years later, she and I met and got to know each other. And now she's just such a great friend and mentor who has shared invaluable advice and support over the years. And by the way, um, two years ago, she did the closing keynote and was magnificent. Yeah, talk about uh, knocking it out of the park with that one. Yes, yes, unbelievable. Um, so really, I just encourage everyone to push their comfort zone. I, I guarantee any stranger you reach out and introduce yourself to, you're going to be impressed with who you meet and who you get to know. So I've made lifelong friends through the sweet conferences, and uh, I look forward to seeing you all in November and hope you join that crowd. Yep. I, I love hearing that last year when we were in Minneapolis, I, I happened to be following a, a couple women um, that were coming over from one of the hotels. We were in one of the skywalks in Minneapolis and they didn't know each other and they just kind of struck up over a conversation over learning to navigate the skyway. And the next thing you know, they're talking about what they do in their jobs and, and they're building that network. And so I say to people, you know, you want to go to the workshops and the keynotes and all of that, but don't discount those hallway conversations or, you know, riding the shuttle bus to the hotel from the airport. Um, you never know who you're going to meet at a SWE conference and, and who may be the person to help you with that challenge you're, you're dealing with. Absolutely. I always tell my husband that SWE is my swan time, you know, that there's so few women in engineering. You, you start to wonder if you're an ugly duckling and then you go to conference and you realize not only am I a swan, but the other swans are amazing. <laughs> I love that analogy. Um, well, Rachel, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and giving us a great glimpse of your personal story, as well as just a little preview of what you've got in store for us at We19. It's been truly a pleasure. For me as well, Karen. I can't wait to see you in November. Me too. So I'm Karen Hording, and from all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our We19 conference site at we19.swe.org. Information on housing, registration, keynote speakers, and more is now available. See you there.